well, thank goodness that year is over, but we're still going to take a chance to take a look back at some of the best things that we enjoyed in 2020. This is the year's best from 99th episode. Getting me going also, so I'm not burning on an empty stomach, so that's what I should have done. Yeah. Okay, Paul. So this is our year-end wrap-up. Yes, it is. Yeah. So, and we're going to talk about the best things of the year. And I think the best things of the year, uh, along the lines of the type of things that we talk about, right? Yes. So this is similar to our, I think it was our Thanksgiving episode where, well, obviously the best things are... You, family, health, all that good stuff, right? So, you know, all of that's already accounted for. That's already up there as best of 2020. We already know what the worst things of 2020 were, and I don't think we, we need to really recount those. Uh, I think we've we've all lived through this uh, COVID situation and braved it well, and hopefully there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So now I think we can take a look at the best things that got us through this year. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Be, uh, I have got one question for you. Is there okay. anything you did this year that was that you otherwise wouldn't have done because of this whole COVID mess? Like, is is there anything that you ended up doing that was just weird or strange or out of the ordinary that just wouldn't have happened if not for this? You know, aside from the obvious answer of just doing less isolating, not being around people as much, not seeing family as much, et cetera, et cetera, um, not really, because my job requires me to go out and work amongst people. So, like, that didn't change. So, a lot of the things, like, you know, you hear, you hear people talk about, like, just staying at home all the time, being able to binge watch on TV shows, yada, yada, yada. I never stopped working. Like, I worked the whole time. Uh, and there was lots to do living in Maine. There's lots of stuff that constantly has to be done to prepare for winter and recover for winter and then prepare for the next winter and, you know, stuff like that. So it's like, there was always things to do. I have, I live on two and a half acres, so it's not like I literally have to stay inside to stay away from people. If people get too close to me where I live, um, then they're on my property and there's a problem, you know, <laughs> obviously it had a lot of effect on me this year, but as far as like what I did in day-to-day life, the, all the responsibilities that were there basically kept a lot of things similar. And then the things that were different um, weren't, weren't something really to talk about. It's really, you know, helping my family manage through the stress and the anxiety and the depression that this has brought and, sure. okay. you know, trying to, you know, find the, the normalcy and stuff. So like nothing really exciting to talk about. Okay. What what made me think about it is at one point this year, at the company I work for, there is this health program and there's this app that we use. And it's the type of thing where you have to log different activities that you can do and you earn points for doing them. And the more points you get, you earn different levels like silver, then gold, then platinum. And I think if you gain, gain level gold, they give you like $5 a month off of your health insurance and then $10 off a month if you hit platinum, like something. That's pretty cool. Kind of, kind of like that. Yeah, it's 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 not bad. It's basically like 
here, here's an incentive to stay healthy or here's like, I, I don't know, some tracking to stay mindful of, of your health. There was this three-week challenge to get, uh, I think it was 300,000 steps in three weeks, which is about 13 or 14,000 steps a day, which is a lot of walking. And I was both busy because I was just never leaving the house and didn't have a ton of time to walk and don't always want to walk in, in busy, crowded LA. So I did a lot of walking around this house to make this step challenge. And there were times where I would just like step in place for an hour at my computer, just like watching YouTube videos or something to get my stupid steps in to meet this challenge and hit that platinum level. So that was definitely the stupidest thing that I did this year. <laughs> I definitely don't, like I said, I, I have space around my house. So like, I don't have anything like that. And I live barely rurally. So like I could go walking down my road and not run into people too. Nothing really big different for me in those regards. I would say that the one thing that I did a lot of this year was really, uh, since we were spending more time at home, because even though we have space outside and stuff like that, like, you know, we, we weren't going places the same. I did a lot of kind of questioning what things I own, what things I have, what things I want to keep or not keep and stuff like that. And progressively, I, I think I made a lot of decisions to remove things from you know, my, my realm of, of interests or collecting. Like, for example, I, I had started building up a little bit of a record collection because my mom had gotten me a record player. And I just decided I, I don't need that because I don't engage with music the same way as I used to. And, like, I don't have the space and time to, like, just sit and enjoy listening to a record. So why have all this clutter in my room plus the um, the compulsion to look at records whenever I'm somewhere that sells them, you know? So yeah. I get rid of that. Now I also don't want to look at records because I got rid of my record player too. Like I just cut everything, you know? You say music is less of a thing you interact with. I, I wonder if that just happens as we get older because I find the same thing myself. I remember when I was in my 20s and living with a, one of my friends who was also a bandmate back then. In He bought a house and I moved in with him as, in his, as his roommate and our record player was more prominent in our living room than the TV was because we just we would listen to music all the time we would always have something playing we like similar music we we pretty much our our Venn diagram of music we liked was almost a circle in terms of overlap so it was, it was perfect because we just almost guaranteed if one of us put something on the other one it would be something the other person liked so we just were always listening to music and playing music. And it was just like always, it seems a part of my life. We were going to shows a lot. And now yeah, I, I listen to music sometimes, but it's not as a pervasive part of my life as it once was. Yeah, I think a big part is that we don't have the same kind of time that we did when we were young. You know, when you're young and have no responsibilities, like you can choose to spend an hour a day literally just listening to music, not doing other stuff. It's not like I'm just, I have music on in the background, but like you can dedicate that kind of time and still dedicate time to watching the TV shows you want to watch and watching movies and playing video games and going out and doing activities. Like I, I look back to, you know, before I had a kid, let alone before I had a house that I had to take care of. And 
I remember thinking like, man, I don't have enough time. And I would spend like hours a day reading books and stuff like that every freaking day. And so that's a big change. Like as we get older, like we have to dedicate attention to other things more and not just having a kid or, you know, things like that. Like there's things that you, you pay more attention to as you get older. Your priorities also kind of shift and stuff like that. I think that as we get older, we, I think that we become more accepting with things in general. So things that like musically before we might've been like, no, I don't want to listen to that because it's not this enough for me or not that enough for me. It's not hardcore enough for me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I think as we get older, we're like, uh, oh, I like, I like how that sounds. Let me listen to this more and see what's up with it. You know? And at the same time, like stuff that just like, we also don't make ourselves listen to stuff that is like the right, like those things that we just said that this isn't enough of this. Then we listen to this other stuff that's not very good. That is more of that thing, you know? So we listen to something that's more hardcore, but actually not very good at all. And, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. We, so, I mean, we just have like all these different things a big, so I think when we're younger, like music and emotion for, for everybody tie in really well together. And when we're younger, like we're so fueled by emotion all the time that music is just like fuel going into the fire that we need to keep it going, you know? And so like, it just goes together really well. Then as we get older, there are some emotions that we don't want to connect with the same way. And there are other emotions that we do more. Like I don't like to listen to sad music too much now. Like anything that is, you know, sad or melancholy or depressing or, you know, and when I was younger, I liked that stuff more because like it gave me an outlet. It gave me some, a way to burn off some of those feelings. Now it's like, I know those things are there and I don't want to stoke those fires. Now you know? it's just depressing. Yeah. So a lot of the music that I loved when I was younger, I really don't like listening to now because it doesn't resonate the same way. Hmm. I've learned better how to control uh, or manage I should say not control, but manage those feelings. And now it's like this year, the, so like I use Spotify I, and at the end of the year, they do your like year and recap thing. Right. And the artist I listened to the most this year was the beastie boys who like, I always liked them, but never loved them. And I listened to them some, but never like really tried to get much breadth. And, uh, you know, but this year I kind of dug in, I learned a little bit more about them too. And I just like, fell like head over heels for the beastie boys this year cool and i listened to them more than anybody else i listened to them for 30 hours of my spotify music listening time you know like the thing with the beastie boys is like one i was able to dig in and find a lot of depth there that i didn't really recognize before uh but two it's also not like emotionally tied to all these things that um uh, get me down when I listen to it, you know, and it's not bringing up old feelings that I don't want to feel anymore or old memories that I don't want to have anymore or stuff like that. So I think the way we, we approach music is different. And one thing that I love about music right now is my son who is eight loves music and he's never really cared for kids music. So he wants to like, he'll hear different stuff from like my wife playing Pandora or we have um, serious, uh, you know, XM or whatever in, in our vehicle. Cause we got a subscription for buying a new vehicle, a, a new five-year-old vehicle. And so he'll hear different stuff and then like it. And we'll like, we'll get him CDs every now and then. And like the last CD I bought him was smashing pumpkins because when we got a certain piece of political news recently, I wanted to listen to the song today. Cause that day felt like the greatest day I had had this year, you know? 
And uh, so I was playing that, and he liked it, and he wanted to listen to more Smashing Pumpkins. And I took him to Bull Moose, and I got him a Smashing Pumpkins Greatest Hits CD. So, like, mm-hmm. his CD collection, like, kicks my, like, teenage CD collection butt because, like, <laughs> he has a, a, you know, like, my wife and I both to, like, you know, expose him to stuff. He just, he likes what he likes, you know? He's He's not encumbered by what's popular. He's not encumbered by these other things. And this kid likes some good music. Soon he's going to be growing his hair out long and listening to Nirvana and skating around town on his skateboard like I did when I was <laughs> an adolescent. Yeah, he already has listened to some Nirvana. He knows he knows who they are. I don't know if I would get him a Nirvana CD at this age because I, we're, we're kind of liberal with what he can hear because he's a good kid that um, that understands like he could hear a bad word and that doesn't mean that word is okay to use, right? Mm-hmm. But... Um, thematically there's some stuff that i wouldn't be okay with him listening to because it just he doesn't it's not not just about the words but it's about the you know the theme so anyways yeah that makes sense nirvana can be kind of down on the world sometimes yeah i mean i even think about a song like rate me it's like i don't want him to listen to rate Uh me like just just period like he, he needs to be older for that i mean i i listened to nirvana when i was a teenager i listen to nirvana now so it's like he'll he'll be there when he's mature enough to handle those themes but um yeah for now he doesn't need to uh get the chorus of rate me stuck in his head yeah that's true <laughs> yeah all right let's uh let's talk about our best of the years huh all right this this is much more of a challenge than it should be for me really this was yeah. pretty easy for me i just went through and i was like oh this 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 was a very very it's funny i went through well i should say comic wise i mean i've kind of talked uh extensively about the things that have stood out to me this year which i'll end up mentioning them again here but uh like a lot of the comic stuff i read was just like eh, that was okay mm, or okay. or it was uh doing like x-men stuff like i mean okay that's just a continuation of the last like two two years you know but anyways sure. i digress what's so our I, first category well i'm gonna tell our lovely listeners what all the categories are so that they can Maybe think about it themselves and know what's coming up. So our, our first category is best action figure. And I think that this means best action figure that we got into our possession this year. Next is favorite comic book that we read. And next is most memorable comic book that we read, which doesn't necessarily have to be our favorite but it can be memorable for any reason whatsoever. Then our biggest nerd accomplishment, our best discovery of the year, added a late entry of our best viewing moment of the year, and then we'll round it out with what we are most looking forward to next year. So, all right, let's start with best action figure uh, do you want to do you, have you got one ready to go or do you want me to just jump into mine well you're definitely going to talk more extensively here um, I'll just get mine out there and then you'll have the floor so for me with action figures this year I would say that the, the big change for me and this kind of goes back to what I said about what's been different me like really questioning the things that I have and you know what's worthwhile or whatnot so I saw a Mr. Sinister pop vinyl you know Funko pop uh, at, at Bull Moose and I just really liked it. I looked at it, I was like, ah, oh, but I'm not, I'm not getting those. 
And um, so I, I said, okay, I'm not going to get it. But I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like, I really liked it. Like, I like Mr. Sinister. I think he's a very interesting character. He has a very interesting appearance, you know. And obviously, he's heavily X-Men, which is my, you know, my favorite Marvel thing. And uh, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And then I thought, you know what? Maybe I should change course here. And I hit you up, and I sold you... Uh, all of my X-Men Marvel Legends figures. Mm-hmm. And then I just ditched out on it. Like, I, I traded the rest of the action figures that I had kind of in the comic booky category into Bull Moose. I got Mr. Sinister. I think they had another one that I wanted. I want to say it was um, Captain Marvel. So basically, I, I predominantly switched over my my toy collecting-ish side to, to Pops. My pop collection has slowly grown. And, you know, before I was kind of like, I'm not going to do pops. I'm not going to do pops. You know, and then, like, they came out with Hellboy pops. I was like, oh, those are kind of cool. You know, okay, a few of those won't hurt. Nah. And then, like, I got, uh, I found a... You're defining slippery slope for us, Paul. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found a, a Shinsuke Nakamura pop. He's a, a professional wrestler, and I really like him. And his pop was uh like a limited one so it's not one that you could just like find everywhere so like i stumbled across it once i didn't even know it existed and i was like well i'm never gonna see this again and i got it and i had a couple others like that so i ended up with like i got like four hellboy pops a handful of wrestling ones i got a few sports ones because they all kind of suited what i wanted in those different things like you know I've had different sports action figures before and they're either like the old starting lineup ones that kind of look like crap or they're um, too big and fancy. And, you know, like, you start to get these different things. And, like, it's really easy for your collection to start to be kind of ungainly and just kind of bothersome because they don't stand up well and they don't move around easily. And, you know, it's... And when I started getting a few pops here, and I was like, I actually kind of, like, the more I get of them, the more I like it. But I've always kept it sparse. Like, I won't, you know, like, I don't just get every wrestling pop I find. Like, I like wrestling. I don't love wrestling like I love other things, you know? Um, I don't get every Marvel pop I could find. I pretty much just stick into, like, uh, the X-Men world with a couple of exceptions. Like, um, Captain Marvel, I just really like her. So, yeah, so I'm keeping it sparse, but that was a big change. That Mr. Sinister pop, like, changed the whole dynamic of what I was doing. A couple others to throw in, just because it's not exactly the most exciting thing. I got, uh, so, you know, with pops, they have, like, the, the regular size one. It's, like, three inches or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they have the, the medium-sized one that I think is, like, five or six inches. And they have the big 10-inch ones. Yeah. So, I kind of wanted ones of the different sizes. I always regretted not getting a Big Daddy, one of the medium ones, uh, from Bioshock. Because I, I love that game and I love that character. Uh, but I found an Andre the Giant one that was a medium sized one, so that was really cool, and it fit you know fit his character and everything, yeah. obviously because he's a giant. Um, and then I really wanted to get one of the big big ones, but I wanted it to be one that I really wanted, not just arbitrary. And they had a they had them on sale for half off at Target, and I got the thing from Fantastic Four. Cool, and it's just is so freaking. And I don't even like I don't like Fantastic Four, but the thing is just such a cool character, so. That, that's been uh, kind of the, the best of this year for that. I did order a handful of pops that I'm really excited about that'll be coming in, but uh, I'll save those for a future date to share. Cool. Okay. Nice. For me, this year has largely been about action figures. I have been really engaging with action figures more than I have at any time in the past. Uh, part of this is the fault of another friend of mine. We've had this, we call it a game. That we're playing and it started about 
um, maybe a month or two into the the quarantine for COVID. And it came about because he had saw some of my Twitter posts about the new G.I. Joe classified figure, the first one, the snake eyes that I had made. Yeah. And he said, well, what if we just send each other a picture of one of our action figures every day and no repeats and we just kind of go with it and have fun? I said, sure, that sounds fun. I thought that I would have a couple months worth of action figures to to do that with because most of what I have is G.I. Joe and most of it is modern G.I. Joe figures. The line that started in, I think, 2007 with the 24th anniversary line of G.I. Joes that came out that were the same size, four inch, but with modern sculpt and articulation and all that. So we started that and now we are 200 days in and uh, we're taking off the month of December, but I've still got another few months worth of action figures left to go that I can share. And I've gotten a lot more figures. And a lot of that was led off by this G.I. Joe classified line, which is the new six inch line of G.I. Joes. And that led into dipping into Marvel Legends, which I had never really dipped into before. And it led to Star Wars Black Series, which was another one that I had never really dipped into before and from there i started finding other toy lines which i've talked a little bit about all these indie toy makers like spiro toys and boss fight studios and four horsemen that are making really really cool things but there was one figure that when i got it this year i felt like this is the best figure i have this figure makes me feel like all my other figures are a little less good because I'm holding this figure, and this figure is so phenomenal. It's a figure in a line that I've only got a couple of these figures, and I've had them actually for a while. This is one that I've been buying little bits here and there, one here, one there over the last couple years, and I only have... I have six of them right now, six total figures from this line, and it's not exactly a very large line. And they only put out maybe two or three figures a year. And I I skip on, I'd say, probably two-thirds of them. But the ones I do get, I get because they look really, really great. And this line, it's the Tamashi Nations movie realization Star Wars line, where they're taking Star Wars figures, but translating them into traditional samurai outfits. And so they're basically a mashup of, say, a stormtrooper and a samurai. So it's a samurai outfit that resembles a stormtrooper outfit or a samurai outfit that resembles a Boba Fett outfit, for example. So I've been getting them here and there, and I got a a few of them this year. And the one that when I got it that just totally blew me away and I just sent you a picture of it so you can see what I'm talking about, is the Kylo Ren samurai action figure. And it's hard for me to place what exactly is so great about it. I think it's just there is a ton of detail in this figure, and there are so many different textures that they molded in The armor is really, really shiny and glossy and incredibly smooth. And then the cloth 
material looks like cloth, even though it's molded of plastic. And it definitely looks samurai-like while still looking Kylo Ren-like. It doesn't overdo the samurai-ness, but it also does it enough that it definitely feels very samurai. And this figure is just so, so satisfying to hold in hand and to look at. It's just feels like it's a next level above anything else I've got, just in terms of how detailed it is, how much attention they put into making every single piece of the outfit look great as that piece, whether it's cloth or thick leather or, um, you know, stranding the stuff, like string tying stuff together or the shiny armor. It's just such, such an outstanding, cool figure. And it's, it's definitely my figure of the year. Yeah, that one's awesome. You showed me this before and seeing this made me want to get some kind of samurai action figure, which I haven't come across anything like that. Last thought I had that I was thinking of, um, while you were talking to, so I, I currently have okay. mm-hmm. six like normal action figures left. Bebop and Rocksteady are two of them. Uh, they were a, a special set that I got for Christmas last year. I absolutely love those. I love Bebop and Rocksteady to death. And these are the ones that are like, it was a two pack, so it was a little bit better of a deal, but they're the ones you spend like 30 ish bucks a figure on, you know? Are these the Nika ones? Uh, I, I think they are. Yeah. yeah and, and Nika has been like releasing a lot of stuff. Well, I should say, like, there's been a lot of stuff that's been more uh, attainable, like Target's been carrying stuff and stuff like that. So, like, this is the most in the last, like, year or so that I've seen these kind of things. The other four that I have, I have uh, two that are from the Batman TMNT cartoon um, that they that they did. Uh, one is Mikey dressed up as Batman, like he's wearing Batman's costume. And oh, that's it's hilarious. Cool. Uh-huh. And he's like, he's got this big smile on his face and the cowl fits all funny because he's got a big mutant turtle head, not a human head. Then I got a Donatello one that's just Donatello from that cartoon. Um, and then I have two that are based on the TMNT movie. Uh, one is Splinter and one is a foot soldier. So I put all these in front of me on my desk. Uh, oh, you know, I take it back. I have eight because I also have um, Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes. So with with all Excellent. these figures I have, like Bebop and Rocksteady are special and different, but out of the other ones, the ones that are cartoony, I just like I don't feel as interested in. The ones that are more realistic, I think are are um like I'm thinking about just getting rid of them because I kind of fielded them out to see if anybody wanted them, like you know, for trade or you know, buy them obviously like for fairly cheap because they're out of box and all that. And you know, nobody's really interested, which you know doesn't surprise me. But, like, look at them, like, these are so cool, though. And I was just thinking, instead of just, like, having them, you know, set up in a corner on a shelf or something like that, like, I'm just going to start doing stuff with them. Like, you know, put a couple in my truck or something like that up on the dashboard. You know, put them around my TV. Start, like, actually, like, bending their limbs and moving them and stuff like that. And, like, you know, posing them different ways just for fun. So I probably won't be getting more action figures of these types unless, like, I just find the right thing that really suits me. But... So, like, instead of just having them stuck up on a on a shelf, like, I'm just going to put them kind of more in the path of action now, I guess. Cool. Yeah, that's what I do a lot is I try to have one or two on my desk at a time, and I rotate them. So, I'll get a different figure out and put it here, and I'll just kind of pose it a little bit here and there just to interact with it and use it and not have it just be a thing that's there and that I have, but a thing that I actively use and enjoy. Yeah. All right. So, what's our next category? Okay, next category is favorite comic. 
that we read this year. All right. You want to go first this time? Sure. I'd be happy to. This one, there were two that came to mind, and they filled the two categories of favorite comic and most memorable comic. And I've talked in the past how much I've been enjoying Jonathan Hickman's X-Men and how it is just unlike any X-Men I've read before and almost just unlike any superhero book because it's less about them being superheroes and more about them building this society for themselves. And there is one single issue that stands out as the one that exemplifies this in just the best possible way. And that is uh, issue four of X-Men. That's the one where Xavier and Magneto go to an economic summit. And they basically tell all the other people at the summit, here's how it's going to be. And here's what we're going to do. Here's how it will benefit you. And here's why trying to stop us is a very bad idea. And at the same time, Wolverine is there hiding underneath and has to take care of soldiers that the uh, these other humans have brought in to try to take out the mutants. And it's just this absolute display of how strongly the mutants are on their path. And it's so interesting in that it's this whole other avenue of attack of the X-Men and that usually the X-Men are about fighting villains. But in this case, they're basically going up against humans on the economic front. And it's really well thought out and really well told. And it just, that issue, I loved it. It was just so, so enjoyable. So that is definitely my favorite issue of the year. Nice. You know, that, that makes me excited to to read that. Like, I haven't been keeping up with any of the, the newer Marvel stuff at all this year. Um, I kind of looked back, and the best I could tell, like, I don't know if I've actually read any new Marvel this year. I've been mostly focused on old stuff. But uh, you sent me some digital codes for some stuff. I haven't started reading those yet. But, like, just hearing you talk about that, like, I've been interested, but just haven't been ready to, like, push back into superhero comics. And now I'm actually, here it is. I was looking for that because I know I can borrow that on Hoopla. So I just borrowed the first uh, X-Men trade, which is issues one through six. You said that's issue four? Yes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I will uh, I will be reading that soon. And it looks like this was actually published on January 1st, 2020. So it just barely <laughs> makes it. I didn't read it until later in 2020. So I didn't even realize that it was, uh, you know, I didn't know if it was or was not actually published this year but it just barely made it nice uh so the only new comic that i've read this year is usagi yojimbo uh after covid um i started subscribing to just that from the comic shop that is closest to me because at the beginning of the year my comic shop i was going to closed before covid happened and i like, I, I don't feel the need to have new comics, but I kind of just wanted the, 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 like, one little thing to look forward to, that one little attachment, you know? So I started subscribing. I had to fill the gap of a few issues that I had missed out on, but I got that all done. So that that's the only new one that I read. So for me, this, this year has really been about um, some of it just kind of, you know, continuing on uh, paths that I'd been on, like reading X-Men. 
And I haven't read a lot of X-Men this year either. But I, I, I know I read a few issues of X-Men. I'm, or I, th- I want to say I'm around like 245 on my read-through. And I actually want to get started back on that again soon too. Because I think I'm ready to now. Uh, and then kind of discovering new things. So like uh, when COVID started, one of the things that I did was try to move through stuff I had just kind of had sitting around stagnant there, you know, like I have all these things that I had bought to read and then just keep on sitting there and sitting there. So I push myself to either read stuff or just move on from it. So like, that's where like a lot of what I read this year didn't stand out to me. Then I read a book that kind of opened my mind to something else. Uh, and I'll actually get to that book a little bit on one of our other uh, topics, but uh, I, I tried reading manga and I got into it and there's a lot of different stuff that I really enjoyed. And I was trying to think about what the best thing for me this year was. And I think that the best thing I'm going to, going to choose to be my, like, I don't know, winner of this category is 21st century boys. Um, I've only read one volume, but I liked it enough that between cells and stuff like that, I actually have all nine volumes that are out right now. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I liked this enough that like one, I want to invest in reading all that. And I think that that's where, cause I was debating between this or, um, Uzumaki by Junji Ito. Cause I liked that a lot too. And I think those are probably the two books that stood out the most to me. Uh, not just as far as like, um, you know how some books like you read and you're like, oh man, this was awesome. But then like you reflect on it and you know, it was really enjoyable to read, but then like the quality levels aren't all as high as your excitement level is. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that those two books, like the quality level and the excitement level are both like, you know, high. So, but I, I chose to go with 21st century boys, uh, as my pick for this because there's nine volumes in front of me to read. I mean, I've read one of them. So there's eight more volumes in front of me to read. I'm excited to read it. And it's going to be a building ongoing story. And having a, another one that I've been reading through that is a lot of stuff to read is Death Note. And comparing the difference in the quality between those two really showcases that this isn't just some long ongoing series that's made to be long and ongoing like this is a special story and I, I hope it continues to be a special. I know people who have read through pretty much all of it uh, and still hold it up highly. So I, I have faith that it will prove out that way. All right. Well, let's move on to our, our next category, which is most memorable comic. And so this doesn't have to be the best. It doesn't have to be the worst though. It could be either of those, it, but it's the, thing that is most memorable for whatever reason and i think we can define that however we want so why don't you kick us off with this one paul so i'm gonna mention one that isn't my choice but this was the the one that i had just mentioned as being like the gateway book for some reason um and i've talked about this before but it's black hole by charles burns i read that and it was very good and was very memorable certainly like that was a crazy ass book but it it opened the door for me to like really try different things that wouldn't normally uh, draw my interest because I definitely read that book based on recommendations. I had seen it over and over and over and kept on looking at it and being like, no, nah, I don't think I'm interested. And then I finally got it because of how strongly it kept on getting recommended by people. And it was like a very different book. Um, and that's what got me thinking about manga because it's not manga, but it got me thinking about like what else is there that I haven't been looking at. And when I, I started diving into manga, the ones that interested me the most that people talked about when I was trying to like stoke up conversation were like more fringish books, like smaller books, lesser known books, 
like Kingyo's used books, um, which is about a used manga bookstore. Uh, but the one that I'm going to choose for the most memorable is the, the first manga that I read that just like really made me feel like that's where I wanted to be because it was just so like fanciful and different and like I enjoyed it so much. Um, and I actually sent you a volume and then berated you until you bought the second volume and that's, uh, mm. Wandering Island. Uh, cool. I, I really liked the art in it, kind of a different style, uh, the, the, human form in the book is kind of like more like languid and flowing, you know, long, but there was just something about it. Like one, it's a, it's a, you know, very much like a fantasy story. Uh, you know, this girl's grandfather dies. They have a, a delivery business where like they fly deliveries around between islands. So like, even right there, like, even if the story was just about that, that's uh, not a world that we live in, you know, like we like, you know, thinking about like, piloting around deliveries just like you know somebody would drive a ups truck or something like that is already different you know but then she starts chasing this wandering island this floating island that uh her grandpa had been trying to find basically so i read the first two volumes which like there's definitely more story coming like it's not done uh and from what people have told me the creator is really slow at getting this out so who knows when the next volume will be out but that was the book that um, just like really made me feel like, OK, th- this is this is the kind of stuff I want to look for in manga because there's a ton of stuff that's not like that. And it's really hard to delve into something new when you don't know what you're looking for. So that was the, like the, the best example of what I was looking for. And like that book just stands out as special to me. Cool. That's one I'm really looking forward to reading myself. I have flipped through the first few pages of it and the illustration is just fantastic so so good it's so good that it made me want to wait to read it till i have time where i can just sit and actually look at each panel and really enjoy each panel for a while because it seems like there's so much that goes into every single panel of that book in terms of how he's illustrating it so that's it's something i'm looking forward to quite a bit awesome Okay, my most memorable. This is going to go back to something we talked about at one point earlier this year, which was the things that are on our to-read list. And we talked about things that we want to read coming up, things that are on our list. And I've been pretty dutiful about working my way through that list. And the thing I'm in the middle of now, and I'm almost done with it, is The Fourth World by Jack Kirby. I'm on the fourth of four volumes of my collections of The Fourth World. I've gotten to the point where I've read through all of the Jimmy Olsen stuff. I just read the last issue of Forever People. And next up is the last issue of Mr. Miracle. And then a few more issues of New Gods. And then I'm through with it. So I'm almost all the way through the fourth world epic you know finally be able to start reading the fifth world i know right <laughs> yes yeah and uh i mean when i make it to six world that's when it's really gonna get exciting I think. <laughs> there's one issue in particular in all of this that really stands out to me and my hunch is that when i say this that people who have read all of fourth world will say ah yes yeah of course And this is issue seven of New Gods. And it's just, 
kind of a random issue, right? It's issue seven of New Gods. It starts off and introduces us to two characters we've never seen before on the very first panel. And in the bottom corner, Jack Kirby is written in a note, and he just says, from time to time, I'll be telling stories like this to flesh out the world of the new gods. So please allow my indulgence or something like that. And what he then tells, we find out, is this story is the history of the war between New Genesis and Apocalypse and how that started out, how the battle between Highfather and Darkseed began and how their uneasy truce was developed and what happened to make them kind of come to their agreement to put the battle on hold, which comes down to a certain pact that they made. And the title of this issue is indeed called The Pact. And this is the issue where there's a huge revelation about the histories of both Orion of the New Gods and Scott Free, who's Mr. Miracle. And what this issue does is it captures, it's just this like, feels legendary and epic in its storytelling. And this was the issue where I read it and I was like, oh, this is why Kirby is considered the best. Like this issue right here, when he does stuff like this, this is it. This is why Kirby is Kirby, because he has this type of story in him. And I think it plays to his biggest strengths, which are these big, massive, legendary, epic type of storytelling. Because I think that his storytelling seems to falter when it gets into the day-to-day normalties of life because then it seems kind of uh, hokey and cliche at times uh, because it's just kind of this simpler, older style storytelling. But if it's so well into big, huge epics and the issue is just full of like amazing Kirby splash pages of crazy battles and stuff. And it was just this revelation moment about Kirby and why Kirby is considered so fantastic. And it's like all in this issue of new gods. And so that was just such a memorable reading experience. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I I still got to dig into some Jack Kirby. I keep saying that, but one of these days. Yeah. It's it's cool. I'm I'm glad I've been taking this on and reading it. At times, it's been a bit of a slog, especially like the J- Jimmy Olsen issues. I haven't been a, as much a fan of, but I'm almost through it, and it's been very worthwhile just yeah. to understand this major piece of comics history. I shared with you they have a, a huge Marvel Masterworks sale on uh, Comicsology right now. And looking through a lot of it uh, and thinking about what I may be interested in purchasing, like a lot of it, because it's starting from like the beginning of the Masterworks volume. So a lot of it is Stanley and Jack Kirby. So it's like I'm mm-hmm. a little tempted sometimes being like, uh, oh, yeah, you know, like then I can kind of check out this Jack Kirby. But I I don't really like reading it like the uh, Stanley written stuff. Like it's just such a different era of writing. It doesn't a- appeal to me. And I don't really have the, you know, the the drive to do it, I guess. Um, so that's why I got to yeah. find something a little bit like new, 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 uh, sorry, I'm 
fourth world stuff. That's what I'm trying to say. Fourth world stuff would probably be more interesting to me because it'd be so different and it wouldn't just be, you know, the, you know, rusty old roots of Marvel things that I enjoy now, you know, it'd be its own thing. Yeah. Though it has a lot of that, uh, early sixties style storytelling. Oh yeah. I know. I completely would expect that, but it wouldn't be 60 style storytelling of the X-Men or Spider-Man. It would be something new and fresh that I would be able to have different eyes on than, you know, the things that I'm, I'm used to more modern versions of. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to our next category. This is biggest nerd accomplishment. All right. You're up first this time. I am up first. (laughs) And for a very long time, I have been collecting modern GI Joes. And I mentioned this before. It's the four inch versions, the modern style, modern articulation, but of the classic GI Joe characters. And when I first started buying these, I set a goal of, well, I want to have all of the original 13 Joes from 1982 in the modern form. And I got through that and then it started to grow. And I was like, well, I should probably get through at least like 1984 or so. And eventually it grew until it was through 1986. And that was my set goal. I want the modern version of every GI Joe figure that came out from 1982 to 1986. And at the beginning of the year, I was almost there, except there was one set of five GI Joes that I didn't have. And I talked about this last week on our Christmas episode, which was these are the Special Mission Brazil figures. They were a special set that came out in 1986, and they were alternate colored variations of other Joes that came out this year, plus one new Joe character for that special set. And they did release a set of these modern uh, Joes that was the Special Mission Brazil set, but there's two things about it. One, it's incredibly expensive. Like it would have cost me probably a thousand dollars to buy these five figures, which is <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Which was a bit outside my price range for these. And second, they are not accurate to 1986 versions of them. They redesigned them and changed how they look. And so even though it's the special mission, the modern version of Special Mission Brazil, they don't look like the original Special Mission Brazil figures. And so I decided, well, if they're not going to make the ones that I want, then I'm going to make them myself. And so I started working on making customs of these figures. And at the beginning of the year, I think I had one or maybe two of them complete. But I finished off my set of all five of these special mission Brazil figures this year. And with that, with these custom projects that I did, I finished up. I have the modern version of every GI Joe character from 1982 to 1986. So that completed my collection of modern GI Joes. And for the most part, that really stopped my buying. I've, I've gotten a few things here and there when I found really good deals on them or to kind of buy more of army builder type characters that I wanted more of. But other than that, I'm pretty much just through with that. And it feels really good that, all right, I can, I can be happy with what I've got. I don't need a whole lot more. And 
uh, the little bits and pieces I add to it here and there will just be fun extra things that I am really interested in. But other than that, like mission accomplished. So that was a very, very good accomplishment for me. That's awesome. Especially like the, the personal touch put into it where, you know, it's not just I purchased all these things, but it's, you know, this is what I did with these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was fun that to finish it up, I had to make it myself. Yeah, that was that was a neat part of that experience. That's awesome. Well, my accomplishment isn't something that I made myself, but uh, at least it's something that I uh, will also be reading. Uh, My biggest accomplishment this year was completing Uncanny X-Men 94 through 300. And I have some beyond that also, uh, like contiguously. I didn't even know this was going to be a goal because I, I honestly thought 94 was going to be unattainable for me. And it was, I think it was earlier this year. It may have been late last year that I, I came across 94 in my comic shop that, that I go to still down in, in Freeport. And it was, you know, not like any kind of nice minty copy, but it was a much better copy than I had seen the lowest end ones I could find online for for the same price. And plus the, the guy gave me a discount. So I got it for less than I could have gotten it for online. And the ones online were awful at this price. Like they were water damaged and nasty. And like, this one is, is quite nice, uh, especially in comparison. Uh, so cool. Having gotten that, it made getting 94 on a realistic possibility. I, I expected to just stop at 300. And the reason why I'm going to continue all the way on to 544 is I essentially got hundreds of issues between 300 and 544 essentially for free when my comic shop that I went to locally, like right by me, closed because I bought three long boxes of comics for 20 bucks each and I sold off uh, the majority of the comics I got for much more than I spent on them. So, like, I made a profit and had these, like, you know... 150 to 200 X-Men comics that I could either have sold and made a little bit more profit or I could have added it to my collection. So that's the way to do it. Yeah. Get paid to collect comics. Seriously. It, it's, you know, rare and random that this stuff happens. And honestly, the only reason I was able to do this is, uh, I, I only ever sell stuff for way less than it's worth, but I have to find a deal that's good enough for me to turn a profit off of selling it for way less than it's worth. And I know what people want and likes so that way I can get the things that I actually can flip. And like my goal, whenever I sell something to somebody is I want them to be so ecstatic with the deal that they got that it, you know, it doesn't matter if like an issue isn't the quality they expected or something like that. Like the deal has got to be stupid good. So that way, like everybody just leaves happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, so like th- that gave me the bigger goal. So I, I finally filled in the gaps between 94 and 300. I decided to get away from collecting any other Marvel. Uh, so I, I've kind of flipped off everything else that I had. Um, so my collection now basically is X-Men and I have uh, one short box with a little bit of TMNT and Usagi Yojimbo and a couple odds and ends, but very, very little other stuff. And I'm definitely not collecting any other runs. And now that I've accomplished that, I was able to narrow my focus on what I needed to finish up through 544. And I think I have around 40 issues left in total to complete. Most of what's left are not dollar books surprisingly like i have i filled in most of most of those like uh looking through and kind of trying to figure out why some of these books were more expensive there's stuff like first appearance of uh of x21 and stuff like that so um that was my big accomplishment now i've been able to 
you know, through Selena off other stuff, I've been able to take a couple of shots at filling in some of the gaps that I have. But there's also not a real big rush to finish those gaps because those books aren't going to get as difficult to find as like some of those old X-Men books have gotten. That's a huge accomplishment. An awesome one. And one I hope to someday say I've done myself. So <laughs> that's very cool. Thank you. Okay. Our next category is best discovery. Uh, you're up first. All right. M- mine isn't going to be anything that I haven't talked about plenty or already in this episode, but my best discovery this year is discovering uh, how much stuff that I could enjoy in manga. Like I had read a little bit of stuff before, like Lone Wolf and Cub and, you know, a couple things like that. But that was really kind of an extension of my fondness for uh, for samurai things that I developed through reading Usagi Yojimbo. So I wanted to see some of Stan Sakai's influences, you know. So kind of taking that leap and finding other things that were just totally unexplored areas for me was really big because that's been – it was funny. I was looking through uh, my Twitter timeline to try to get ideas of what to talk about, and I discovered that it was around June that I started, you know, growing my interest in manga and trying to figure out what was even worth checking out and stuff like that. And um, it's kind of weird to me that it's been only half a year that I've, you know, just discovered all these new things to enjoy. I think I'm getting to the point now where I've enjoyed all of that enough that I am wanting to spread back out into other things, like get back to reading X-Men again and and things like that. But that was definitely like a whole new world of things. And finding those things to enjoy also made me think more about what I really enjoyed. And was I buying stuff because I told myself that that's what I enjoyed and I didn't really? And I honestly got rid of a lot of stuff that I kind of realized was just like adding on to things beyond like the enjoyment point you know hmm. um so yeah so for me it was it was manga jinji ito um urasawa uh, all the stuff i already talked about and like it shows how good it is that like you've talked you've read more jinji ito than i have now because like <laughs> yep. i exposed you to him and it resonated so much like that's what's so cool about it is just just these unexplored areas yeah definitely that's that's cool and pretty broad but I, I think that that hits the mark of what your year has been about largely. Yeah. For me, it was kind of a toss up between two things. And so my runner up is Junji Ito and we've talked about him so much on this show. I, I don't think we need to say much more and it's kind of captured by your best discovery. So I was looking at best discovery along the lines of action figures And for me, I discovered a lot of these smaller toy makers, the first being Spiro Toys, who make the animal warriors of the kingdom, which are kind of a fantasy-inspired animal warriors, lions and cats and apes and stuff like that. And then Boss Fight Studios, who have a fantasy line, which is knights and elves and orcs and stuff like that that I've really enjoyed. But probably the best of all these indie toy makers I found were the four horsemen with their mythic legions line. These figures are just incredible in terms of the sculpting, the design, the paint application. These are just some of the best looking figures across the entire line that I've ever seen. Just each one almost feels like a a piece of art. They're so cool. And so it was really, really cool to discover that these exist and to then 
be looking at them for a while, researching them, finally getting my hands on a couple of them for the first time, then getting excited and getting a, a few more of them. And I really enjoy each one of them. So that was my best discovery for sure. Nice. Yeah. I, I knew it was going to be an action figure thing with you. Um, I, I've enjoyed you sharing the action figures you've gotten. Um, cause they're things I never would have seen otherwise. And they're really super cool. Yeah, it's been fun. I never really, I guess I was more of an action figure guy than I thought because I had so many G.I. Joes. But before this year, I was really just focused on G.I. Joe. But this year, I've really spread out to a lot of different things. And the stuff that is in the fantasy realm has really resonated with me the most. I think I've always been a, a fantasy fan. I've loved Tolkien and Lord of the Rings since I was a teenager. And a lot of what I read is fantasy books. And so it just really struck a nerve with me and in a good way. That's awesome. What's our next one? Okay. This is one I added at the last minute. And this is best viewing moment. And this can be uh, TV or movie or something along those lines that we enjoyed watching the most. And I'm not going to be able to really say why this is my favorite thing because it's not something that you have seen yet but the season two finale of the mandalorian i knew you were gonna say that that's why you just added it too because you just it is yeah. it is <laughs> it's uh i feel like just the strength of people's reactions is almost spoilery but I I had strong emotions from this episode. I cried like legit unmanly tears <laughs> came out of my eyes. I've seen a lot from, of people saying stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, this it, it's 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 I uh, it's I can't really say much about it. Anybody who's seen it is like, yeah, of course. I yeah, I get it. Uh, absolutely. I understand. And, um, but I don't want to say anything because it is such a, a interesting thing that happens that I don't want to give it away in any way whatsoever, whatsoever, but man, it's, it really affected me strongly that end of the Mandalorian. It came out two days ago as of when we're recording it. I watched it twice on Friday night and again yesterday. I'm I'm probably going to watch it again today, at least once, maybe twice. It's, uh, <laughs> man, yeah. I added this category just for this because like this is probably my favorite thing of the year that I've seen or uh, consumed or anything like that. So... Uh, I had to add this category just because of this recent development. I, I've seen people tweet about this a lot, obviously. Um, and I think it's funny because I have not seen a single spoiler, but I've seen so many people complain about people sharing spoilers. Anybody that got it spoiled on Twitter, you're not blocking enough people. You got to block people to say stupid stuff because then this doesn't happen. Like, I haven't seen a single spoiler about it. And I have lots of friends on Twitter that are very hyped about it. Uh, I think it's funny, like on Twitter, people act like they can't block people or, you know, it's like, no, if you don't mm -hmm. like what somebody said, just block them, you know, you, or mute them. If you don't want to block them, you don't mm -hmm. have to be, you know, 
you don't have to accept like you're you're controlling what you see just do it control it don't see it yeah i think it's if you care you need to just mute things like the mandalorian just if you mute mandalorian you you won't see it probably Mm. right and then wait till you can see it um I think by now it's Sunday. I it's 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 funny. Like it seems the statute of limitations for the Mandalorian is basically until Sunday afternoon or Sunday <laughs> evening. By then it's like, hey, you've had the whole weekend to watch this, so the the gloves are off. Yeah, well, but, I got to catch up on a, a season and a half to get to this point. So I guess I'll I'll get to work yeah. on that. <laughs> but the entire like second half of this season has just been mind-blowing 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 like episode five i thought wow i i don't think i could ever like an episode more than this and then episode six came around and was like hold my beer episode seven was really good but didn't have anything else like that but then the season finale was like uh hold my keg (laughs) it was just oh man that's awesome. Yeah, I've seen pe- yeah. a few people say stuff like um, the the Mandalorian is the first thing that's like allowed them to like really care about Star Wars. And that's kind of how I feel. Like I, I can understand the quality or whatever that's in Star Wars, like you know the, the proper nine films or whatever. I just don't care. Like it's not my thing. I've tried. It's not my thing. But I've enjoyed the Mandalorian and I've heard people say that Rogue One is like similarly approachable and so now i'm excited to watch rogue one because you know hey like i i want to share the enjoyment of this stuff with my friends that enjoy it and i've tried and i just i haven't enjoyed it the same so if uh, i can find something that it may not be everything that they enjoy but if i could find parts of it that i honestly enjoy too that's a good thing yeah for me for this category uh i thought about it a little bit and um i don't watch a lot of tv the stuff that I've been wanting to watch that I'll probably have more to talk about, like, well, one I've talked about some already is The Last Dance. Um, I got Netflix for the first time in the year to, and so like we're kind of catching up on some shows, but I don't watch a lot of TV. I haven't really done a ton of movies this year. Um, I don't do a ton of movies anyways. Like my wife isn't much of a movie watcher. Most of the movies I want to watch, I have to watch on my own. I think for me, the viewing moments that have been the most impactful this year, aside from sports, I won't bring sports into it this time, it has been in well, video games actually. Okay. So there's two video games that were very much story-based video games that I played through um, that's, that stand out to me as far as, like, the the experience, not just of playing it, but just of being a part of the story. And that's um, Red Dead Redemption 2 and uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Both were very good. I think that the, the viewing moment that stands out the most to me would be in Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, when you get to the point of the, the story where your main character through the majority of the game, Arthur, dies. You get to the point where you know he's going to die. He's getting ill. Um, he caught tu- uh, tuberculosis. So the, the point where he dies in it, like, he's going to die of tuberculosis anyways. And But it's it's the climactic point of the story. And then after that, story, that, that part of the story, you start playing as a different character in the game. And you finish it off there and like that, that's a good part of it too. But that definitely feels like an epilogue, not like the end of the story. But yeah, like that was really big and impactful. And especially like in a game where you know before you get to this point where your main character dies that your main character is going to die in this story. Um, it's different. Like you don't see that very often in games. Like it, it's the, the ship has sailed. Like you're still playing, but you're like, this guy's going to die. Like what? 
it makes you think a lot differently about what you're accomplishing in the, in playing the game. But just as far as, uh, you know, being part of a story and a viewing moment, like that was probably the best moment of the year for me. Wow. That sounds really similar to, uh, I haven't played Red Dead Redemption 2. I played the first one and the first one ends similarly it sounds like yeah i had to go back and uh and read the story of the first one on wikipedia because i was like this is crazy and i read the first one i was like oh i guess i should have seen this coming <laughs> but it had, uh-huh. it had been like <laughs> 10 years since i played the first one yeah cool all right yeah i've uh this is the second time somebody has recommended red dead redemption 2 to me i kind of assumed it was just like red dead redemption 1 which i enjoyed and, and really had a good time with but i just didn't quite want to sink my time into something like that right now yeah, that's understandable. Like, I just started playing uh, The Witcher 3, which I purchased on, like, a PlayStation Network sale at some point. Boy, it got it probably for, like, 10 bucks or something ridiculous. You know, I'd heard good things about the game. And this is the second time I've tried to start playing it. And both times I kind of got started. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I want to play this. Like, I know that this is a big, time-consuming game. And I don't know if it's going to be worth it or not. So... The first go-through, like, I just basically barely started it and moved on to other things. Like, that wasn't really, like, an honest try. And then, like, I started playing again this time, and I'm kind of like, I, I just don't know. Like, there are things about it that I don't like the feel of right now. But then I said, okay, I'm, I'm going to push through a little bit and see. Like, I'm just going to try to, like, pound into the story a little bit and see how it feels as I actually get rolling in the story some. And I'm starting to come around a little bit. And I also um, messaged a friend of mine that I figured had probably played it, and he had. And he's a, a big fan of the Witcher uh, properties altogether, like, you know, the, the books, the comics, everything. So having somebody to talk to about it is also helpful because then like you see their enthusiasm and it kind of helps drive you to look for the things that made them excited about it too. Um, but yeah, it's like, it could be really hard to decide to invest in a, a big time consuming game like that. I mean, it was, I knew I wanted to play Red Dead Redemption 2 because I knew I loved the first one, but same thing. Like I knew it was a big game that was going to take time. I would say absolutely definitely worth playing uh, when you go into playing it just relax and take your time with it. Uh, but also what I, what I've been recommending to people with games like that, that are big is don't get, don't make yourself have the mentality of, Oh, I have to complete all the side missions because then you make this, the story boring for yourself. If that's not what you want to do, you'll be compelled to complete side missions when you want to. And then you'll do them because you choose to don't make yourself mm-hmm. do them because you'll just, you'll, mm-hmm. you'll dull everything down for yourself. Okay, cool. Well, our last category instead of looking back at 2020 is to look forward to 2021 because the future is bright, hopefully. And so the last question is, what are you most looking forward to for next year? I think for next year, it's going to be sort of a, I, I feel like this year was a lot of shifting mentalities and questioning you know, what I really liked or enjoyed, what what's worthwhile and what isn't. And I think that for the next year, it'll be continuing on with doing things in a way where I'm, I'm doing like the things that we talk about are all things for enjoyment, right? So it's, yeah. it's mm-hmm. doing those things for the sake of enjoying them, not letting them be, you know, become obligations. And I think that this year was shifting into that mindset. And next year it's like, I, I'm looking forward to, continuing to play through the PlayStation games I already have. Like I have no compulsion to get a PS5 right now. 
I know there will be games that tempt me to get new games, but like I want to continue on through. The, like I have a good amount of games that I have not played that I've either gotten for really good deals or stuff like that. Like I want to work through those games or at least try them and say nope, I don't care and move on from them. I want to continue on with the comics that I own to read. You know, I'm not going to start subscribing to a bunch of new books. I have plenty of, you know, like I talked about 21st Century Boys. I have eight volumes of that to read. I have hundreds of issues of X-Men to read. Um, I have plenty of other physical copies of books to read. So it's like I want to kind of have a balance between continuing to read what I have, read the stockpile of stuff I have digitally on Comixology, take advantage of like Hoopla, which is free to try new things out here and there. And get away from like the, oh, there's something new to buy and always looking for something new to buy. Like enjoy what I have and continue through with that. And then, you know, kind of taking that same mentality into to movies and TV shows. Um, I have quite a few movies I've stockpiled. I want to watch through all those this year. I don't want to keep buying new ones. I want to watch the ones I have and, and enjoy them and take my time with them and not feel that um, the pressure to like, oh, I got so much so I have to watch through it quickly. You know, like... uh a lot of the movies I have to watch are Criterion movies. So it's like I want to watch the movie and then I want to watch the special features. I want to like live in that moment and enjoy it. Like that's my focus for this next year is enjoy what I already have um, and really focus the, you know, expenditures and the new energy and stuff like that on things that are really going to improve, you know, my life and my situation, not just buying stuff because I don't have the time to enjoy the stuff that I already have, you know? Cool. Yeah, that's that's good. I I think I could say something really similar. I have so much backlog of stuff that I'm looking forward to getting to, and a lot of it I do want to get to in 2021. There are two things that are coming out in 2021, though, that I am looking forward to. Uh, the first of that is the Bad Idea books. I'm very curious to see if they live up to the hype there has been a lot of hype buildup for these books, I think, especially in the circles that we come from. Especially with because, the stall thanks to Corona. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But it, because of that stall, it seems like the anticipation has just been growing because they keep, instead of uh, releasing, then teasing the next thing and releasing and teasing the next thing, they've just been teasing everything coming up over the next like year or two. Mm-hmm. You coming from the Valiant fandom, I think that everyone in the Valiant fandom is very much looking forward to Bad Idea and what they put out because it essentially is the entire team that made that Valiant stuff really amazing for those first few years. They're all now a bad idea. So I think I'm I'm very much looking forward to that, to see how those books are when they come out and how all that goes. I'm I'm with you on that one. I think I'm in a state of managed expectations because I don't have a local shop where I can guarantee this is going to work out. But I have talked with um with a shop in California actually that I I used to go to some and I I know the owner of through online interactions. So this is Andy's shop. Yeah, exactly. You know, Andy, I've <laughs> I've known for a while. He played in my fantasy football league for a couple of years and stuff like that. So if they come through well with communicating and delivering the books, like it'll probably work out. Um, if, if it doesn't work out smoothly, I'll probably give up on it. So it's, it's kind of managed expectations, but if it works out, like the creators are like all the creators that I would be excited about. Yeah. The other thing is something that was just announced and this is something that is 
somewhat of a, a spoiler for the end of the Mandalorian, but the Mandalorian ended up with a tease for what the next Disney plus show is going to be. And considering that it's going to be a couple weeks since that aired, by the time this came out, I'm just going to, I guess, spoil it for you, Paul. Why <laughs> but, do I want to be, I, I'm going to watch the Mandalorian. Do you, do you want me to be spoiled? Well, it's, I, I hmm. Hmm. So here's a question. I don't want you to spoil the big giveaway of the end of the season. Tell me an ex- as long as it's not telling me what happens, I probably won't really be spoiled because I don't know enough about the Star Wars universe. It will spoil something that happens earlier in the season. Yeah, I probably there won't hurt anything then. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to the Book of Boba Fett next year. I heard something. I think I heard something. I, I didn't dig into all the announcements of all the Marvel and, and Star Wars stuff that's coming on Disney Plus, but like I did catch wind of it. So, yeah, okay, do tell. Go on. Uh, yeah, well, it's we just know that there is a, a Boba Fett live-action TV show coming up. That'll be cool. That's exciting. Yeah, I don't think that gives anything away that would ruin anything for me. Um, that's, you know, like, like I said, I haven't really gotten into Star Wars, but I've been enjoying The Mandalorian. I need to get back on that horse and finish what's there. Um, but I'm excited for more of this type of Star Wars content that is more enjoyable to watch and not so drowned in the, um, the you know, the nuances of, you know, the, the fantasy and sci-fi elements that, you know, like, it's like The Hobbit versus Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit is a lot of stories and it's fun. Because the stories are coming a lot faster. Yeah, it's still a big book, but it, like essentially, like The Hobbit tells as much stories as the Lord of the Ring trilogy does. The Lord of the Ring trilogy slows it down to a crawl and starts digging into all these nuances. That's kind of what the Star Wars movies feel like to me. It's a lot of like, okay, let's slow down and talk about all these details, and there will be action in thirty minutes. I swear. But you know, like the Mandalorian is a lot more fun. It's it gets the action faster. So like, that's going to be what entices me to like, actually stick around to find out who these characters are and care. So I'm excited for more of that very much. So cool. Well, I am, I'm very curious to see how, uh, what you think of the second season of Mandalorian, because it both continues that, but also starts to weave in stuff from throughout star wars i mean that, that's in interesting ways yeah I, I i'm excited about that like i said i i genuinely want to be able to share the joy of star wars with people who are very much into it like you know yourself and i have other friends that way yeah after you mentioning those things i, I do want to add to mine um as far as like what i'm looking forward to next year i don't know if there's like new things i'm looking forward to uh but one thing i'm looking forward to is I shared with you, I got the first volume of this, but I've kind of been wanting to have physical copies of the Sandman series, uh, but I don't uh, want to do the, yeah. the giant omnibuses that are just like prohibitive to read, plus they're freaking expensive. Um, I don't want a bunch of trade paperbacks necessarily that are just kind of like, meh, whatever, because I, I have it all digitally. But they started doing the hardcover deluxe editions that um, each one collects basically two trades worth of material, I think, or maybe it's three. I got the first one, it must be two, I think, because I had read that, yeah. So, I got the first one, and I had already read those two volumes before it, before I got it, and I was waffling about, like, I don't know, should I do this? But I was like, no, I, like, I, I want these. Like, this has been a series that has been, you know, one of my favorites for a long time. So, the second volume of that comes out in, I want to say, like, 
February or March or April, somewhere around there. So I'm guessing like every four months or so, the next volume is going to come out. So I'm looking forward to continuing getting those. And I kind of want my reading to fall into sync with that. So I'm actually able to read the physical copies uh, in those books rather than just reading, uh, reading it digitally and then getting this physical book that then I just put on my shelf. Okay, cool. So it sounds like our next foray into our Sandman reading will coincide with when that book comes out. Perhaps, yeah. I, I don't know if I want to wait that long, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it works out. But uh, we could do the the uh, Dream Country trade in there, which is I think some short stories, and then wait to do uh, Seasons of Mist uh, once you've got the hard copy, because uh, it's. I think the next trade would be a bunch of just unrelated short stories. And then the season, the trade after that would be the the big Sandman gets the keys of hell storyline. Okay. So maybe that would be a good one to wait until you've got the hard copies of. But if we're itching to go, it's just some short stories that we could uh, dig into and and do in the meantime. Okay. And the other thing along that same line is, uh, and I was actually talking about this the other day because I was starting to question like, should I be continuing to get these or not? Uh, the Ninja Turtle IDW collection of hardcovers that collect the, um, like the IDW publication of Ninja Turtles, including any side stories and stuff like that. I have the first 10 volumes. Yeah. I haven't do. even attempted to read a volume after the first one. I haven't even finished reading all of the first one. Like I had kind of started and then fall off and then started and then fall off. Um, and I was really starting to debate, like, should I just ditch these all together and get out of this? But I don't own physical copies of the Ninja Turtle IDW stuff any other way. So I was I was waffling about it and talking to you some, and uh, I did just finally find because Volume Eleven came out and then it was out of print. They just have to print some more, you know, presumably. So I was like, I don't know, like this. It just bothered me that like it just came out and I can't find it. But it probably is also. I'm sure a lot of companies have adjusted their printing strategies uh, with COVID. They've slowed stuff down. I'm sure. So I I found it. I ordered it. It'll be coming. So over the next year, that's one of the like my challenges for myself is I want to read through all of that and actually make use of these physical books that I have re-enjoy the Ninja Turtle story as a whole um, and continue on with it. So like they have pre-orders out for the next couple volumes already. And it's like, it's like they're playing catch up these, you know, big hardcover volumes that are collecting like 15 ish comics are coming out like a few months apart. Um, but like it's worth it if I read it and that's what I want to do. And it's not worth it if I'm just buying them and sticking them on a shelf. That's what I don't want to do. Mm hmm. So that I, makes sense. Yeah. I guess that's what I'm looking forward to the next year is like really digging into enjoying these big bodies of things that I've been wanting to. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So that was the year 2020. <laughs> yeah. That's the year 2020 and a little of what's coming up in 2021. And thanks for listening to us talk in 2020 as well. This has been a fun addition to the year, our 99th episodes. So I think uh, let's wish everyone a happy uh, new year then, Paul. Yeah. And, you know, last note. Uh, I saw somebody share a post from a year ago saying, screw 2019, 2020 is going to be so much better. Oh, I know. Oh, oh. So we say that every single year, every year people do that. Like not, you know, not everybody every year, but every, every year somebody's saying this year was awful. The next year is going to be better. And uh, just the thought I want to put in people's heads, like 2020 was awful in a lot of ways that are not going to be repeated year after year. But a lot of the reasons people say years are awful can be changed. And I think that, uh, you know, we all would do well to try to 
get the best we can out of each year and look at what was good in the year instead of dwelling on what was bad. Um, I, I think that most of the years that we say, that the, you know, X year was awful, Y year is going to be better. There's no reason that we couldn't have changed that throughout the course of the year. There's a lot of stuff that's out of our control, but I think a lot of times as people just continually saying like, Ugh, you know, let me look at all the bad that happened and, you know, next year is going to be good. But if we train ourselves to look at the bad, the next year is just going to be bad too. That's a really good point. Well, I think that we can all make 2021 a great year. It'll be a great so year. I mean, we already have that. like the Lakers are champions, Dodgers are champions. Like, hey, yeah, we're going into the year. Just, I could be a little better. I mean, you know, 49ers could have won the Super Bowl last year, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> no such luck. All right. Well, happy New Year's, everybody. Enjoy 2021. We at the very least have Boba Fett to look forward to. Happy 2021, everyone. <laughs>